Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue. Today, we're continuing our Naval Sustainment System Aviation Series with an in-depth look at the cost pillar. Here to tell us more about Naval Aviation Enterprise efforts to achieve savings while preserving readiness so we can get additional capability out to the fleet is Rear Admiral John Gumbleton, the Navy's Budget Officer, and Rear Admiral Shane Gahagan, Program Executive Officer for Tactical Aircraft Programs. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. So let's kick off today's podcast with a bit of background. Admiral Gahagan, what is the goal of the NAE's cost pillar? So as the NAE went on this journey for the naval sustainment system on the aviation side to improve readiness to where we need to be for the fight, as we got for the EF side, the Super Hornets, as we got to 341 in that goal, realized through the journey and once we'd be able to sustain it, that from an affordability perspective, the budget wasn't going to support sustaining that number of aircraft. So we realized quickly that not only if, and if we scaled getting to where we needed to be from an MC or FMC perspective for the fight, that we really had to go after the cost. Cost to support the out-year budgets, and so and create some initiatives to sustain what we needed to fight and drive down costs to get what's in the budget, but also below what we needed. And so that was the whole cost transformation efforts. We got aggressive into the goals because we knew we had to scale this and we had to go after some really big challenges to make some changes and change the culture. So that's the primary purpose is we couldn't afford sustaining what we needed. So we had to go after the cost to drive down the cost of what it means to sustain for the fight. And uh, if I could add a little context to that, I've been working in Navy and Marine Corps budgets off and on for the latter half of my career. And if you were to look past, go back since sequestration, you look back the last 10, 12 years, our budgets have been increasing essentially nominally less than one or 2% in our O&M accounts where we pay for readiness for naval aviation. Yet during that same time frame, we're observing that the cost for fuel is rising at a higher rate or that the cost of spare parts and the cost of our contracts are all rising at different rates, some as high as 8 10%, some a little bit lower. Yet our budgetary authority only increases this nominal 1% or 2% a year. And we haven't even talked about the current situation we're in. We began this journey uh, last year, and that was pre-inflationary concerns that we're all seeing at the pump today. And the imperative was clear. We had to drive down the cost of the organization. And so and now, as I went and filled up my SUV the other day and said, dang, I, I need to change my car choices, the imperative is, is that much more clear. So this is really something we all as a team have to get after. Absolutely. The rising prices at the pump are certainly an additional motivator for wanting to drive down cost. Now, I'm Rilke Hagen. How does the cost pillar fit into the overall NSSA framework? So what we've done is because of uh, the relative success of using the NSS principles to go after readiness across the enterprise, we just use those principles to go after cost. So they're parallel efforts, they're integrated. And so when you make a decision on readiness, you're at the same time making the decision on the cost of that readiness. And so if you put them together using the same principles with alignments of the efforts, you make decisions 
to maintain readiness, trying to reduce cost. So they are integrated, they're aligned, and we use the same kind of the format and principles to go after these goals. So describe the approach. Admiral Gumbleton, what was unique and or different about the cost pillar initiative? Before addressing that question, what I would remind our friends here is, what does our enterprise look like? Naval aviation is a roughly a $25 billion a year business operation. Figure you get about 10 billion bucks in our flying hour accounts, a couple of billion to actually do the depot maintenance in our accounts. We have to support our PEOs and the acquisition programs that make up a subset of that 25 billion. NAV Air system or as its own enterprise. And then there's our manpower, both our military and our civilian friends who do all this work and then all the contract maintenance. And then the final bucket is our naval aviation supply industry. So across all those different pillars makes up this $25 billion a year industry, if you will. I mean, that practically by itself is a Fortune 50 company, just naval aviation. And so the approach here is how do we get folks to not work in stovepipes because somebody might reduce a cost in one pillar, yet drive a cost to another part of the enterprise. So the approach is how do we create a holistic ecosystem where we have supply guys, maintenance guys, operators, acquisition folks all in the same room looking at how we're going to drive cost out so it doesn't impact uh, someone else erroneously. So I think that would be what's unique about it and why it's so powerful, because we do have all those different folks in the same room together. And I would just add to, to Gumby's point is the uniqueness of it. It's a rigorous process, the stage gate process that people put their ideas through. When it comes out, it is true cost savings that is realized by Gumby and FMB that is real money to spend. So I think this process is really gets you to the cost savings and actually exposes some really opportunities across the enterprise. The deal going in was you find cost savings, it goes back into the NAE. And that has pretty much hamstrung every other cost savings effort known to man across the history of the Department of the Navy. So that gives you skin in the game, buyback. Okay, I engender this, I'm gonna see it back into the Naval Aviation Enterprise. And that is one of the most unique things and key to our success. Absolutely. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges and opportunities identified by the cost transformation effort? The biggest challenge, and even though we said that I'm going to give the money back to the Naval Aviation Enterprise, but our culture, where many of us, you know, we're all great Americans, all want to do the right thing by our Navy, by our nation, yet when it comes time to say, oh, wait a minute, FRC doesn't need this, or maybe a syscom doesn't need this, or we're like, well, wait a minute, I work in this program, this is really important. And it's not that it's not important, it's the biggest challenge is, do we trust one another to do the right thing by our nation and our Navy, and to give up this illusion of control over this government tax dollar? And so then I would pivot to, by that's our biggest opportunity, is we are going to think act and operate differently to really come up with some powerful results that we're seeing today. So uh, that would be my response. And as part of that, why is it so important to identify efficiencies and drive down cost? 
Admiral Gahagan, how will this help our forces maintain the warfighting advantage? As we kicked off the discussion, you know, we have to maintain the readiness for the fight more than we ever have. We have to maintain readiness based on the threat and what we have to do. In a constrained budget environment, we have to get more efficient and we have to drive down calls. That's the importance of it. I would also tell you, as we talked at the previous question on the biggest challenges, it is work for people because it's a rigorous process. And so how do we ensure that we create efficiencies if people do the work and come out with cost savings that we're not burden them with more work to do with adding work? This should be freeing up resources, their time to go after more cost savings and actually do the work that they're to do for whether it's acquisition at the TICOM wing or in the operational fleet. It is all tied together, but we have to go after efficiencies and we have to drive down cost because we can't afford to readiness right now where we are. So what steps are we taking to modernize our business processes? Admiral Gummelton, how is this helping us to reduce sustainment cost and increase availability? I think each, when we talked about our enterprise and the, the silos, if you will, whether you're a fleet operator or a depot artisan or somebody working in a, a program office, each person has a role to play in that. On the supply side, and something I, I see a little bit more clearly in my day-to-day -day business is I'm seeing dramatic increases in our efficiency and, and our approach to cash management in our naval supply system. That was driven by a crisis, actually, where we were draining cash out of our Navy Work Capital Fund. So we've changed our behavior, and I'll touch on three really important elements that we did. The first was we connected a silo between naval supply and our WSS system, where we actually, instead of just managing parts that we bought, we treated it like a cash business. Okay, for every part you buy, there has to be a return on the shelf and a fleet operator buying that back. Even though that sounds simple, that was actually a very powerful tool to actually get people connected across the silo to, and understand how one's influence impacted the other. That behavior alone and a lot of work actually saved $500 million over a 12-month period. That is just amazing results. A second piece is because of NSS aviation and supply being linked together, I got my buddy at NAFSUP, Pete Stamatopoulos, talking to our industry partners to say, hey, uh, you're supposed to deliver this part. We want it on time and or we want it quicker. What can you do? And so we're driving efficiencies in how we receive our parts as well. And that's uh, paying dividends. And then finally, I would Think about our efficiency. So we talked about cash management. We talked about being a demanding customer of our industry is, are we buying the right parts when we need them? And so a military can't always be efficient, right? We want to have some depth on the shelf. We want to be ready for the big fight. But at this juncture, we don't need excess either, or what we call due in long supply. So Every time we buy a part that we can't use in the next 12 months or 18 months is a wasted asset in terms of we spent money on something that we can't use. And so we're really taking a sharp eye and looking at that. All right. So in a recent article, Air Boss, Vice Admiral Weitzel said, cost transformation is where the Navy can make the biggest difference in taking control of its own readiness. I'd love to hear from both of you on this one. How does the cost pillar enable readiness? 
first, you know, Airboss is talking about control your destiny. So let's stop being a victim of, oh, this cost more, or I didn't get this on time. And as a team of professionals that make up the NAE, how are we owning not only just total ownership costs, but how are we owning the process to make ourselves better? And so that's why I think Airboss is buoyed and excited about this element because now he's got the power that is breaking down stovepipes, getting into this ecosystem of partners that are getting after this element. And so when we do that, we get to own the process, control the costs, and make it better for the naval aviation enterprise. I would just add to that. I think that whole cost transformation, those NSS principles, going after cost, you own it. And with the uh, agreement and the governance structure, if you have cost savings, you get to invest it in naval aviation to maintain readiness. So that's an ownership that we've never had before. And those principles for cost transformation frees up available funds, resources to go after the maintain readiness. We own it. If we fail, it's our fault. If we succeed, there's plenty of opportunities. We own our own fate, as Gumby talked about. Speaking of freeing up resources, how can innovative approaches, both in sustainment and acquisition, help us do business better? We've already seen through the NSS and through other RCB, other initiatives across the NSS from uh, that. If you do things, velocity has it solves a lot of problems. If you do it for less cost and your schedules move to the left, you maintain performance, which means you maintain readiness, you mean your acquisition across the board. That all frees up time, all frees up time to go after other priorities that you can apply to sustainment or you can apply to acquisition. This is not do more with less. This is innovation efficiencies to drive processes, more capability of the fleet at a reduced cost. If we do it right, we should be working what we're working now or less. If we do have to work more overtime across the board, it's not sustainable. So all of these things are driving innovation, driving efficiencies, work the same or less by the enterprise, reduce cost and maintain readiness. I would totally agree with Shane and then pivot to say, as we work in these pillars, uh, the transformation pillar specifically, folks are like, hey, if I had a few bucks, I could actually do this better and have a better return on investment and or return on, on readiness. And so part of the, the cost extraction is well, maybe we buy that test kit or maybe we're improving a process. But at the end of the day, what we're doing is freeing up cash to give Airboss, as advised by Vice Admiral Chevy and others to go, what's the high leverage outcome or what is the investment we can make to achieve that high leverage outcome? And that's why this innovative approach to cost extraction is so important. When we talk about big wins to come out of the cost pillar, it's clearly cost savings. But what are some of the other big wins to come out of this effort? I would say other than the actual true cost savings, I would think the biggest win is changing the culture. Just seeing that transformation and how people attack problems, knowing that the governance structure is going to support them, leadership is going to support them, leadership is bought in, and we're all in it together. We're all aligned to go after the cost transformation and real savings for the fleet and maintain readiness. I would totally agree that culture is a big win and foundational to our future success. 
but you know I'm a I'm the money geek, right? And so I gotta I gotta throw some money out there too. And so a big win is well the money we put into BSO 17 to give Airbus decision rights, undeniable. That's huge. And then that element I mentioned about NAVSUP, we avoided a half a billion dollar loss where we're gonna have to go out with our tin cup to Congress. That staggering amount of money. Those are huge wins that we ought to applaud for sure. I would just add one more thing to the culture is that Gumby mentioned the trust factor. I've seen a much better alignment, higher level discussions, all based on trust as we walk through these principles. It's uh, that's an equally challenging to achieve and equally challenging to maintain and sustain. So those are the big ones. Culture change, we're, we're developing trust across the enterprise. Senior leadership has emphasized that NSSA is data-driven. Admiral Gahagan, how does data help us identify efficiencies or inefficiencies in the way we are operating so we can get cost out of the system? In other words, how is data helping us get real and get better? So I tell you, you know, we, we've always collected a lot of data and we have repositories all over the place of data from maintenance, uh, how we do operations, how we do the money. I think what we've done is kind of combined and have a single source of truth of what everybody's looking at. And we all agree that that's the data we're going to make decisions on. That's where data becomes really valuable for really improved and, and better decision making. So I think through this process, and one part is the integrated supply chain management process, where we took 150 disparate kind of resources of data, put them all together with a single source of truth, and then across the enterprise, WSS, DLA, program office, FMB, the fleet in general, are making decisions on the same data. When you do that, you're going to be more informed, and generally you're going to make better decisions for the enterprise. So it is critical how we transformed how we use data and how we look at it to make decisions. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, just a few years ago, we used to argue about what the data meant because we showed up with our silly Excel sheet and our own PowerPoint. We're like, well, that's not right. And what a, just an enormous waste of time that was. And so the fact that a single point of data, it just it gets you off to a better place right away. It's an industry best practice. There's no turning back. This is absolutely the way forward. And speaking of the way forward, how does understanding where the money is going now help us better plan for the future? The single most important element to everything we do is credibility. We are not a company. Our Congress gives us the money we seek to defend the nation. And in years past, they would look at us and go, wow, you asked for uh, $7 billion to fly your jets and I just couldn't help but notice you didn't need a half a billion of that, those flying hours. And then they look at you like you're stupid. And so well, now we have gravitated to the point where we have single point of data, we have broken down these stovepipes, we have demonstrated that we know our business. And when you demonstrate that you know what you're doing and you can speak with authority and then prove it through budget execution, that is a hugely powerful tool when we negotiate with our oversight committees on the Hill. And so uh, fundamentally, that is why it's so important that we understand where we're going and what every penny does. And I would just add this whole process NSSA cost transformation has been a forcing function for the owners in this ecosystem, these pillars, 
to understand their business, to understand where your dollar that you own from a fee perspective or execution, where it goes, and is it efficient? Are you getting what you need? Can it be spent better? And those things allows to just build up credibility and you get more efficient. So it's, it has been, uh, it's been very difficult from an understanding the money piece. What have we learned since the inception of cost transformation reform? And how are we scaling that learning? Yeah, with respect to what we've learned is transformation is hard. Holy cow, is this work hard? And there's so many really great folks who are tuning into these meetings. Here we are literally talking about, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars and getting after each and every penny. It's hard work. It's super important, but I think each and every time we do that, we're learning the power of breaking down stovepipes and working across this ecosystem, right? And so that is, I think, a journey of learning that is still ongoing, right? Because we have folks who roll in on our military side, roll in and out, and we're really going to be need to depend on our civilian teammates for the continuity to keep us tracking and keep it on the right track. So. I think that's a part of what we're learning, and uh, I'll I'll defer to Shane to talk about that before we talk about scale. Yeah, I would say I think we've learned as we do NSSA and cost transformation that, you know, we have to always challenge ourselves, whatever it is across the enterprise, do we really understand our business? The journey over the last two and a half, three years is we can be better at understanding our business. We need to understand our business. We need to drive savings out. We need to get more efficient. We have to maintain readiness. And it's a culture of continuously learning with that ecosystem of everybody aligned. We always knew that's a force multiplier. We have two multiple data points that it is effective and we need to scale it. We shall scale it. We have to scale it to where we want to go. At the beginning of the podcast, we talked about how we where we began the journey. Aviation readiness, not doing so good, 255 up hornets over multiple years, even though we're buying new jets each and every year, that number was not going up. When we demonstrated the ability that we could actually stop with this blind view of input metrics only, but actually think about process and ownership and breaking down stove type pipes, did we actually learn that we can actually bend the curve? And so that's just naval aviation. But if the naval aviation enterprise is 25 billion bucks, the submarine enterprise is 40 billion, and the ship enterprise is another 20 billion. And we haven't even talked about people yet. I need to drive scaling outside of the NAE. And what's so important to the work of the cost transformation team is we're going to prove it here and then export this business to our submarine friends and our ship friends. Because as a Navy, we can't afford not to. That's why it's, it's super important that this work that our team is doing today. So as we wrap up our podcast today, leave us with your final thoughts. Why is this work so important? I would just kick it off is the problem set's not going away. We need to be ready to fight and win. The inputs to solve that problem set are getting more challenging. It's going to be talked about inflation, buying power, the constraints of the budget in the out years, whether they stay the same or go up, we have to be ready. And that's readiness, and we have to do it within the budget we have. And so the only way to do that is to continue this work because it's it's important, it's needed, Navy needs it, our country needs it, we got to be ready to fight and win. And so it's 
challenging work, but it's valued work. I view the culture changing. People are motivated. They're ready to go after these challenging problems. It is important, but we're on the right trajectory. We own it. We own it, and uh, we can go after it. And so I think these tools have been set up over the last couple of years that to allow people that they know that if leadership supports them, we can go solve these problems because we've done it in the past. At the macro level, money, and I've seen this throughout my second half of my career as a budget geek, money is the lifeblood of fleet operations. We don't do anything without throwing the money to fly the jet, steam the ship, to submerge the sub. Money is the common denominator that supports our Navy Marine Corps team. And so I think uh, it is super important. And so for my friends who are working cost transformation, it is hard work. And I will say this, thank you. This is super hard work. It is super important and I need more. That's why our team is so important. And that would be my message. And I think that is the perfect way to end our podcast today. Admiral Gumbleton, Admiral Gahagan, I appreciate you both so much for joining us today to talk about the cost pillar and how the NAE is focusing on the value of each dollar spent to drive down costs and deliver the capability outcomes the fleet needs to win. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I invite you to check out other episodes in our NSSA series by subscribing to Navair Airwaves on all your favorite listening apps. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.